Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Well, good afternoon, listeners. Today is February 8th, 2017, and we're going to have a wonderful guest with us today. We're going to learn how to be successful by having a really good image. We'll address men mostly, but we'll also talk about women, too, since that's our listener base. So we have with us today Ron Malhotra. And he is based out of Australia. So we're very, very pleased to have him. His background is such that he really is a thought leader. He's an entrepreneur. He's an international speaker. He's an international certified success coach, an award-winning wealth planner. He does leadership training. He's a radio host, and he's also the number one best-selling author. So we are just delighted to talk to him about how to empower people and how to lead a successful life. So let's bring him on to our show now. Hello, Ron. Good morning. It's, um, I say good morning because it's morning in Australia. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. I like to ask my guest, how did you get on the road that you're on today? Well, I think um, for most people that are obsessed with personal growth and success, I think the catalyst always is, you know, uh, problems in life, whether it's intense psychological drama or it's, you know, um, disability or it's um, just issues in life. And I, and I went through a lot of issues growing up um, uh, from um, being, basically being um, brought up in a family where there was a lot of family conflict uh, to being really confused about who I was and what I wanted to accomplish out of life, uh, to being really unhappy, um, being um, just lacking self-esteem. And, and so, uh, you know, it, it got to a point where I really started to feel there was no point in living. Um, and I think for a lot of people, I've found people who have gone down the road of uh, developing themselves and becoming obsessed with human potential. I think a lot of those people the catalyst was pain. And so no different for me. I, I went through a lot of pain growing up. And, uh, but, but luckily for me, instead of being defeated by the, the pain, I, I decided to overcome that pain. Um, and uh, I was very fortunate to have some really good mentors and really good insights that were provided to me to change the trajectory of my life. So that's how I that really was... got to So the catalyst was really pain. Mm-hmm. That was going to be my question. Somebody came along that changed your thinking was it um who was the first person 
A really good question. The first person that I actually came across was uh, uh, just a person that I used to work with uh, who gave me a book. And at the time, I was, I was not somebody that was academically inclined. Or, well, that's what I thought anyway. I didn't see myself as a good student. I barely made it through school, and I had no interest in, interest in developing myself or studying, and I was quite happy in my ignorance. In fact, I was the wrong, you know, the, the, the worst combination of a human being is ignorance combined with arrogance. And that was me. I, I didn't know anything, but I thought I knew it all. And so that was the thing that kept me struggling in, in, in life. And, um, and uh, lucky for me that uh, I was offered uh, a book uh, by this gentleman that I used to work with. And that, that's actually how it started. And I was in my mid-20s at the time. I'm in my late 30s now. Uh, and the book got me started. And then from there, I, I, I found uh, a mentor and I outgrew him very quickly. And then I found a better mentor and a better mentor. And then uh, over the last five years, I've been very fortunate that I've been trained by some of the best people on the planet. And I was very lucky that I was able to afford their mentorship and travel worldwide and get the best mm. insights on what it be really successful. So what is your number one objective at this point in your career? I think it's to create awareness around human potential. I mean, everyone's talking about the wastage of resources, water, you know, electricity. People talk about wastage of natural resources, but really no one really talks about the wastage of human resources. I mean, the fact is that uh, we're the only species that has the capability that we do. We, you know, I heard uh, at a conference many years ago that only 2% of people in the world actually make a difference. And if that, if that number was doubled, where we had, instead of 2% of people, we had 4% of people wanting to make a difference in the world, the world problems would be halved. And when we look, about, look at world problems, I mean, we still have a lot of world problems. We have human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trade, and majority and violence and, and, and suicide and depression. And most of these problems are avoidable. And most of these problems are avoidable through human potential d- development. You know, where people, mm-hmm. I mean, people suffer out of ignorance. And so most of the world problems can be solved through education. And so I think somewhere along the line, I decided that I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to use my natural gifts, my skills and my talents and my experience to somehow cause a difference in the world. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. Wonderful. So where do you spend the bulk of your time? Um, well, bulk of my time is actually spent on developing thoughts. I mean, one of the things I say to people when I do success education, first thing I do is I say to people, look, you, you have to define success. Because one of the questions I get a lot is, isn't success different for different people? And the answer to that is yes, it is different mm-hmm. for different people. However, there is a couple of universal principles around success. Number one, you can't deny the fact that if there's, if let's, just, let's just talk about you and me here. If you spend 80% of your life doing what you want, when you want, with who you want, and I spend 20 or 30% of my life and my time doing what I want, when I want, with who I want, it can be easily argued that out of the two of us, you are the most successful person. It doesn't matter what you want to do. If you have designed your life in a way that you're spending bulk of your time doing what you want, when you want, with who you want, you are the most successful out of the two people, right? Yes. But there is another application. A 25-year study of success found that success had three separate components. Number one, living your life's purpose, which of course requires you to identify your life purpose first. Two, maximizing your potential. 
Three, finding a way to help others. And so this is a 25-year study that found that success had these three distinct components. So bulk of my time is actually spent on coming up with content ideas and thoughts that will help people go from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence because people do not change unless they feel there is a need to change. You see, most people are just happy doing what they're doing. Or they're not happy, but they're just stuck in a, a, a rut where they get up in the morning, they brush their teeth, they have a shower, they get into their car, they drive to work, they come back, they pay the bills, they watch some TV, they have dinner, and they go to bed. Mm-hmm. vast majority of people live like that. Mm-hmm. And, that and, and so a lot of times people are not going outside of professional development and developing themselves because they simply don't have the awareness that that is something that they need to do. So my job effectively becomes to, number one, create that awareness, that, that academic education, that professional development education, that university curriculums are only responsible for maybe 10 or 20% of your life success. The, the rest of your success is going to come from an understanding of personal growth and success principles, which unfortunately are not taught in the school system, they're not taught in the university system, and they're certainly not taught in the workplace. True. So you, you, fa- you literally found a niche that nobody is really putting any concentrated effort into the way that you do. Well, the niche that I found is um, men. I mean, I, I, I developed a movement called the successful male. Why? Why? When there is everybody out there talking about women's liberation and women's rights and and, and equal, women's equality and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. Why would somebody think about running a men's movement? Well, because statistics are now showing that men have been neglected in this space. There is a lot of men right now that are suffering from self-esteem issues, depression, anxiety, suicide problems, relationship problems, financial problems, and there is really nobody that was catering to these men. So mm-hmm. this was not about competing with women. This was just about saying, hey, there is a lot of men that have been neglected in this space. And rather than fixing broken men, what we did was we developed a system which was all around preventing men from breaking in the first place. And so how we're doing that is by teaching men and educating men on the, on the, on the most time-tested and proven fundamentals of what it takes to have a successful and fulfilling life. Now, everything that we teach is based on principles. There are strategies and tactics as well, but predominantly we focus on the principles, and everything that we teach has universal applications in that women will benefit from that as well, but it's just a targeted concept where we're targeting men. We actually end up getting a lot of women um, joining our movement and a lot of women that show up to our events, and I have a lot of women that I personally coach as well, um, but, but it's just a targeted movement. It's not to say that the, the principles that we teach do not apply to women, but predominantly we are targeting men because we feel that there is a segment of young men that have been neglected, and it's time that somebody came up with a men's revolution, but not revolution in, in, in the way of causing problems and, and, and opposition. A revolution in, in the form of education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are the biggest issues affecting men? I think the biggest issue that I find is that uh, a lot of men have been conditioned to act macho, uh, not express their feelings, tough it out. Um, 
and just blindly chase the money. And so a, a lot of men have un- unfortunately made an unconscious connection between success and money or financial or business success. Which, and, let's just, let's, and, and let's be honest, you have to be financially successful to be, to be truly successful. But financial, financial success is only one part of total success. I mean, there is no point. Let's just talk about a man who has a lot of money or maybe is a very successful entrepreneur. The world is going to perceive this man to be highly successful. But the reality is this man could have self-esteem issues. He internally may hate what he does. He, his work probably doesn't inspire him. He may, be, he may have health issues. He may have relationship issues. He may have issues with confidence and self-esteem. And nobody really talks about that. So we're talking about success. When we talk about success, we want to talk about success in holistic terms, where success means that you have success in all dimensions, not just in one or two dimensions. Because if I was, if, if I was just financially successful, but if my health was suffering or I didn't have enough people that knew me, liked me, and trust me, trusted me, I didn't have a good relationship with my spouse, I wasn't doing work that, I was, that was purposeful or inspiring. I don't think I would feel successful, regardless of how much money I have in my bank account. Now, so for us, it became a case of, well, let's, let's redefine success for men, where success would incorporate all of these principles and then bring them all together in the one place so that we could give men a structured framework and say, hey, success foundationally starts with having a really good understanding of these things first, and then... In incorporating all the other elements so that men could basically develop into the best version of themselves holistically. So do you teach them through conferences, seminars, books? It's a really good question. So how we train men is, number one, we first have to build awareness that there is a problem. Because if people don't know that there is a problem, they're not going to rush out and get it fixed. So we, a lot of our stuff is around producing content and providing free value and giving thought-provoking content. And, and sometimes I, I challenge men. You know, that's not an easy space to be because, you know, there's not many people that are prepared to put their neck out and challenge men. Because sometimes men can be very resistant to learning. Men can be very, very resistant. It can be, it can be this, the macho culture. It can be ego. It can be pride. Whatever it is, a lot of men are resistant to learning. So it really takes exceptional strength and courage to get out there and challenge men and say, hey, um, success, are you really happy? Are you really successful? Are you striving for the wrong things, perhaps? Have you considered this? Have you considered that? So the first part is building awareness. Then the second thing is we've actually designed one of the most comprehensive curriculums in the world called the Successful Male Blueprint. And it, it has about 30 hours worth of content. But, and, and, the, and the learning is facilitated through a combination of online as well as offline. So we, we have a lot of modules that we have built, and the modules contain everything from identifying your purpose, identifying your strengths, your values, uh, advanced uh, psychology of success, um, advanced goal setting, um, time test and wealth principles, emotional intelligence, confidence, grooming. Um, so it's got a number of things. It's got about 30 different modules, um, influence, self-leadership, leading others, um, all of that sort of stuff. And so what we do is we, we, with, with the blueprint, men, have to actually, men actually get allocated a mentor. And so we are, we are now recruiting um, you know, hopefully an army of mentors that will first go through the program themselves, 
master the principles, and then teach those principles through a combination of online and offline, meaning through online delivery of the curriculum, but also running events. Uh, we, my mission with the successful male is a big one. I, I want to touch one million men over my lifetime. Now, I'm not going to do that individually on my own, but I can create that ripple effect where um, as we get more and more men that get this concept, that get that there is a need, that men need to step up and just stop spending all of their life on making a living. They've got to go beyond that. Uh, then we can start to get, create that ripple effect because every mentor that I bring on is then going to affect more and more men. And so we can then create that ripple effect and effectively create a legacy um, around success education. You have 13 different modules. What is the time Could, commitment? The time commitment for the actual program is between 9 and 12 months. Why? Um, I personally do not believe in anything that is a quick fix. Um, I have been in this space for a very long time, and I was one of those people that was always looking for a quick fix. And I enrolled in a lot of short programs. You know, if I read an article on five steps to become a millionaire, I would read that article. And then over a period of time, I, it became very clear to me that there was really no shortcuts to, to success, that people actually had to commit and people had to put the work in and the timing. And unfortunately, most people are not prepared to do that to their mm -hmm. own detriment. Most people are so um, consumed and seduced and distracted by all the noise that they can't even commit and discipline themselves to just commit to one thing. So for us, it was a case of saying, hey, this is not for everybody. If you're simply interested in life success, this is not for you. If you're committed to life success, then this is for you. Because everybody's interested in being successful. Let's face it. You can walk up, you can walk, you know, you can walk up to any person on the street and ask them, do you want to be more successful? Do you want to be happier? Do you want to be wealthier? Most people will say yes. But they're interested in success. They're interested in having more money. They're not committed to it. How, mm -hmm. And how do we know that? You only get, you have to, if you want to find out a person's priorities, look at how they spend their time. It will tell you everything. And most people are unfortunately distracted by consumerism, entertainment, sport. And so the problem is a lot of the time, or making a living. And the problem with making a living is if you look at the whole corporate structure and the work system in the world, it's collapsing. We know now that there's 51 million people in the United States alone that are under the poverty line. In Australia, 80% of people are retiring with less than $150,000 despite spending 30 or 40 years in the workforce. Clearly, the system isn't working. Most mm -hmm. people are three paychecks away from bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. But what are people doing about it? They still switch on the TV. They still watch movies. You know, they, 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 most people have borrowed so much money, whether it's student debt or it's housing debt. So the, the issue here is that most people are interested in success, but they're not committed to their own success. So we make it very, very clear. This is not for everybody. If you're not a serious student, if you're not really serious and determined to change your life, this is not for you. And I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm happy to say that. And I, you know, I, I cop a lot of criticism for being... And people say, you know, that's a bit harsh. And I go, no, it's not. You know, you know nothing in life comes from just being, having a casual approach. And I love Jim Rohn's quote. You know, he said, casualness leads to casualties. <laughs> but, but, if you look at, but if you look at most people's attitude, it's, highly, it's really casual about their life outcomes. They're not really mm -hmm. fixated. They're not, they're, not, you know, they're not obsessed in, in achieving outcomes. Most people talk about balance. And I, this is what I say to people. I said, you know, balance is never an objective. It should be an outcome of what you're doing. Mm 
Don't make balance your objective. Steve Jobs didn't talk about balance. Michael Phelps didn't talk about balance. You know, Usain Bolt doesn't talk about balance. Gandhi didn't talk about balance. These people were talking about making a difference. These people were talking about accomplishing. These people were talking about breaking records. Talking about balance is typical middle-class thinking. No disrespect to anybody, but the reality is that type of thinking keeps us playing average in life. And so the successful male is all about breaking out of that mediocrity-based mentality and that middle-class syndrome and going to a high level of accomplishment, both personally as well as acquiring a level of significance where you make using your skills and talents and your time to create value for others. Mm-hmm. I like that, create value for others. Absolutely. I think that's a fundamental part of success. I mean, Zig Ziglar had a, an amazing saying, and you know, he said, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, you can have everything you want. And so that's a, that's a significant principle. I mean, if we get somebody that is highly, highly ambitious and they tick that box of being highly ambitious and highly, highly determined and highly committed, but they're all about themselves and they have very selfish motives, then they're not the right fit for the successful male program because a big part of the successful male program is the desire to make a, a difference. So what we say to people is, if you, look, if, you look, if you look at the world population, most people are stuck in scarcity. They just want a job any job, and they can barely support themselves. Some people get to survival. Survival is a person that is not just satisfied with any job. They want a good job, and, they can, and now they can support themselves. Some people get to success. These people are not driven by a job. They're driven by a career, and they have the desire to not just support themselves, but those, those that they love. But very few people get to significance. Significance is a, uh, significance is a stage where a person is not driven by the need to have a job or the need to have a career. They're driven by their calling. And they, 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 and they want to make a difference, not just to themselves and their loved ones. They actually want to make a difference to those in need. And so that's why a lot of the stuff that we teach in the Successful Male Blueprint is around start with self-leadership. And there's some fundamentals you need to understand because you cannot lead people further than you've been yourself. Then we teach people how to lead others. And we make a very clear distinction between positional leadership versus leadership through influence. Mm-hmm. You know, the real leaders of the world are those that don't have a fancy title, but they have influence where people naturally want to follow them. And then the third step of that is we teach people how to become thought leaders, where they can actually stand up and stand for something and create impact through their own presence. And so, so that's why we have developed this comprehensive blueprint, because success mastery as a principle is not taught, in, as, as I was saying, in our traditional education system. No, it's a shame. The education system in the United States, I don't know what takes place in Australia, is basically set up for students to leave and enter positions with corporations. And, and if you look at the education system, it is designed to teach you what to think. It exactly. is not designed to teach you to how to think. That's right. So if you look at, see, and, and, and there are some fundamental changing, changes happening in the globe right now. And we're in the midst of those changes. So human beings 
you know, 200,000 years ago, we were hunters and gatherers. Then we went to the agricultural stage where we were starting to produce food for ourselves. And, you know, then we went to the industrial revolution where machines took over a lot of the jobs. We were, for the last 20, 25 years, we've been in the information age where people that had access to specialized information had a competitive advantage. But we are no longer in the information age. Information is now available to everybody. It's easily accessible. You can look up information on health, on wealth, on relationships, on business, on entrepreneurship. You can look up any information anywhere. Information is easily accessible to everybody. So information is no longer a competitive advantage. And we're moving out of the information age and we're moving into the social age where the people that are going to become successful in future are people that have the ability to combine not just intellectual intelligence, but heart-based intelligence, spiritual intelligence, emotional intelligence, and have the ability to involve all parts of their brain in decision-making. The, the last 20, 30 years have been about innovation. And, and, and employees typically look at their, employers typically look at their employees as a body and a mind. And so an employee gets paid for the, the mental and physical exertion that they bring to the workplace. But in future, that is no longer going to be the case. Employers that do not see their employees as complete human beings that have a heart and a spirit and, 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 and do not have a purpose. And these organizations that simply put profit over people and put profit over purpose are not going to be around. Because in the social age, everything is completely transparent. You have nowhere to hide. Advertising doesn't work. If you are really going to be a thought leader, there is only way, one way to stand out. That is to produce education. I mean, I, one of the things I always say is no matter what industry you're in, today, if you're not educating your stakeholders, you're not educating your consumers and your prospects, you have a problem. If you do not have a, an image, you don't have a profile, you're nobody. Your resume, people, executive recruiters no longer even look at uh, traditional resumes. They now Google you and they look at who you are. What have you done? What do you stand for? What does Facebook say about you? What does Google say about you? What does LinkedIn say about you? Times have changed. But unfortunately, mm -hmm. a lot of are still anchored in the past. And mm -hmm. they're still living within the, the, the residue of the industrial revolution where they think that becoming successful is about getting a university education, getting a job, spending 20 or 30 years in the corporate world, not realizing that the system has failed. Most people are retiring with not even enough money to last them five or 10 years, but most people are expected to live 30 years into retirement. So we are blindly following a system because the vast majority of people are following that system. But George Bernard Shaw used to say, he, he said, if everyone's thinking the same, no one's thinking. Mm. And for me, this, this whole revolution is exactly about that. Are we actually thinking? Because mental activity doesn't equal thinking. We, unless we have organized thought and, we, and we're systematically and strategically creating things, we're not really thinking. There's mental activity, but it's not organized. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's all about creating awareness around what is human potential and how do we maximize it? Because every human being has potential. But imagine this. Imagine you had 10,000 acres of land and in your entire lifetime, you only managed to cultivate 100 acres. Wouldn't that be a waste? Mm -hmm. That's exactly how most people live. 
Mm-hmm. They they use a fraction of their potential. Would we ever throw out a battery that was only partially used? Would we toss it in the bin? We won't. But how is it that so many people find it acceptable to go to their grave without having maximized their potential? How is this acceptable? It shouldn't be acceptable, but it is because it's mass consciousness. It's mass thinking. And so for me, you, you know, one of the things when you introduced me, you said, Ron is a thought leader. Well, that's exactly what is a thought leader. A thought leader is somebody that has the courage and the ability to articulate original thoughts and challenge mass thinking. Even if that means mm-hmm. that in the process, I become a victim of criticism from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, people can't thing. We have statistics prove it. We're starting to see that despite the average person having access to more information than ever before, the, the rates of stress, the rates of obesity, depression, anxiety, bankruptcy, business failures is only rising. Clearly showing and demonstrating that ha- simply having access to more information is not the answer. We need insights and we need structure and we need clarity and we need to go back to the principles and we need to master the fundamentals and the basics. But but there is too much noise out there. There is so much to distract us every day from actually doing the things that are important. And that's where I step in. And that's how I see my role for the rest of my life is to educate people on these things that are fundamentally the most important. It's very worthwhile. It's a whole way of, uh, it's actually a new consciousness. You're bringing a new consciousness to people. Well, I'm not bringing it. It's, it's already happening. I mean, there's a, uh, you know, this, this uh, Ken Wilber, who is a, he's an amazing writer on the concept of human consciousness and human evolution. I mean, he predicted that this was going to happen. He said that we will, we're going to the third level of consciousness, the entire human race. And social media is fantastic because it is accelerating the pace at which this is happening. And I just see myself, along with a lot of other experts, thought leaders, coaches, trainers, and speakers. Are you there? I think I've just lost you. No, I'm here. Hello? Yeah, can sorry. you hear me? So I just see my role. Uh, yes, I mm-hmm. can. Okay. I see my role as one of those people that is a catalyst in terms of driving this change forward. That's all I am. Okay. And I have enough tenacity, enough, enough drive, and enough determination to keep doing this for the rest of my life. And it's challenging because people are very resistant to learning. People have always been resistant to learning and people have always been resistant to embracing new concepts because it creates in their mind, it creates cognitive dissonance, which is a feeling of irritation that everything mm-hmm. that I have learned now telling me that that doesn't apply anymore. I don't like Ron for saying this. And I understand that. But the world keeps changing. The world keeps evolving. You think about in the last hundred years what we believed. We believed that wars were necessary for peace. We mm-hmm. believed that men were superior to women. We believed that the world was flat. You know, we believed that soft drinks were good for us. We believed that smoking was good for us. How many changes have happened? I mean, we are starting to become more and more aware. So this is, again, one of those changes. Initially, people are going to resist it. They may even violently oppose it. But at some point, they're going to accept it as inevitable. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how people can embrace your program when they're stuck in the Maslow pyramid. 
Now that's a really good question. That is a really good question. So the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs would suggest that when people's basic physiological needs and their security needs and their social needs aren't met, they're not yet ready to go to self-actualization. And it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a paradoxical situation. To, 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 get to, to get to a point where you're living, uh, you're living a life where you just, you know, vast majority of people just spend their whole time just to pay the bills, just to put food on their table, just to meet house payments. And so they're still very much stuck in that, even though they may not perceive it that way because they probably drive a nice car or they maybe they live in a house, nice house in a nice suburb. But the reality is a lot of people are still stuck in that field where they, they haven't really evolved to the self-actualization stage. So I, I, that's a really, really good question. Now, here is the thing. I, I get a lot of people coming to me and saying, you know, I will do your leadership program when I become a leader. Now, that's similar to going from, you know, imagine me coming to you and let's just say you're a personal trainer. And I come to you and I say, hey, I'm going to come and see you and seek your expertise when I've got a six pack. So one of the okay. things that people have to realize, people are where they are, and they're stuck. If they're stuck, it's they're stuck because of the way they think. And you know, one of my mentors many years ago said to me, you know, you can have anything you want in life, you can have anything you want in the universe, but you can never have more than you can see. And hmm. it really got me thinking at that point. When he was talking about you can never have more than you can see, he wasn't talking about sight. He was talking about vision. Mm-hmm. Sight comes from the eyes. Vision comes from the mind. What possibilities can you perceive for yourself? And, it, I, and I can tell you, it is absolutely true. The more possibilities you can perceive for yourself, the more you're going to reach out for those possibilities. Why does a person who makes $50,000 a year make $50,000 a year? Is it because they want to make a $50,000 a year? Or is that because the thought of making $200,000 a year does not fall in their possibility zone? So one of the things that we found is that when perceptions change, results change. Which means that at a foundational level, all human development takes place in the mind. That unless you make changes on the inside, any of the changes that you make on the outside are going to be useless. Because what you're doing is you're fixing the symptoms without fixing the problem. And if you really understand how life results are caused, we can talk about it in the area of health, relationships, money, work, peace of mind. If you're not happy with your results, you need to understand this. The results are a consequence of how you have acted and behaved in the past. But those actions and behaviors are a consequence of how you were feeling at the time. And those feelings are a consequence of how you think. And those, that thinking is coming from your programming, which means if you want to change your results in any area, whether it's health, relationships, money, work, or peace of mind, it is not sufficient for you to just go and change your actions. That will give you temporary outcomes. Because as long as the programming, the old programming prevails, mm-hmm. you will continue to think same thoughts, which will create the same feelings, which in the long term will keep getting you to act in the way that you're used to acting. So fundamentally, for results to change, we have to go back to the root cause, the programming that people carry. And this programming, in most cases, has been inherited. 
unconsciously. It's a consequence of childhood conditioning, cultural conditioning, religious Mm -hmm. conditioning, educational conditioning, where people weren't thinking at the time. They've just adopted a set of beliefs that are now unconsciously dictating their thoughts, feelings, and actions. And you can't tell me that that's not the case because if you look at vast majority of people dress the same, talk the same, work in the same sort of things, they, they, if, why is it that in the morning there's so much traffic? Why? Because everyone's doing the same thing. They're going to work. <laughs> Where does this come from? Mm-hmm. You know, so in many respects, if you watch Discovery Channel, you see, you know, if you've ever watched an animal, animal documentary, a wildlife documentary on Discovery Channel, you see the herd running. You see the herd of wildebeest running towards the river and, you, and the, the crocodiles are waiting there. And you see the wildebeest, some of the is jumping into the water. But it's hurt and hurt. And, and, and you know, this concept has been studied. And if you look at why, the, the, you know, why we have uh, riots when there is um, football, soccer matches, why is it that riots happen so many times people get into a mob mentality. And when they get arrested and they, and they get questioned by the police as to why did you engage in violence, a lot of them say they don't know. They just got mm-hmm. caught up in the hysteria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what mass consciousness is. Mass consciousness is when you are pulled into doing something without conscious thinking because everybody is doing it. And so you think that that's normal because everybody is doing it. But here is the thing. We know now that only 1% to 3% of people in the world become highly successful. So why are we following mass con- consciousness when we know that mass consciousness doesn't work? It's because we have no other model. No one's actually given us an alternative model for life. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's of, okay, educating people that there is an alternative model, a model that actually works. It may not be popular. It may not be adopted by the masses, but that's precisely why you need to follow it. So, um, so if you look at the, the documentaries, you know, you have all the, all the wildebeest jumping into the water, and they can see that some, some of them get eaten by the crocodiles. And you would think that the wildebeest would stop. <laughs> and they would go, hey, let's turn around and go the other way. <laughs> danger, right? I mean, danger. Nature. Yeah, danger. But no, they still just keep jumping in. And and what is the equivalent in the human in the, in the human race? Well, you can see that the corporate system is failing. We've had corporate disasters. We see that the the difference between the the executive salaries to average employee salaries is a multiple of three or four hundred times. It used to be mm-hmm. five times, ten times. Now it's three or four hundred times. We're starting to see that there is no security in employment. We're starting to see the trends of outsourcing and automation. We're starting, that yes. we're starting to see that the youth of Africa and Asia are emerging and they're hungry and they're going to take over a lot of the jobs because there's just a lot of them and they're hungry. And for the first time in the world, they're globally connected and they have the appetite for success. We're starting to see that most people, our parents and grandparents are retired with very little money. We're starting mm-hmm. to see that when you buy a house, when the first thing you do is because you've been conditioned to go and buy a house, you end up with so much debt that for the rest of your life you keep paying it off and it takes away any option for you to start a business or invest. But we still do it. Why do we do it? Because everybody else is doing it. No mm-hmm. different from the wildebeest example. That's fascinating. You wrote a book called um, The Eight Wealth Habits of Financially Successful People. It's quite Correct. good. Quite good. Um, obviously, you're addressing money wealth. 
Yes, that book was primarily. I mean, my core profession has how I actually got into personal development was um, my core profession has been money. I've been I've been a, a wealth advisor, ah. financial advisor, okay. advising people oh. on money. Yes, for sixteen years I've had yeah, hundreds of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations with people about money. <laughs> and so one of the things that happens is you have conversations. It starts to give you some mm-hmm. insights into. Um, you know, why is it that some people become financially successful? Why is it that some people struggle? And mm-hmm. why is it that some people get stuck in mediocrity? Mm-hmm. But what was interesting was I, it, it, it occurred to me that, that psychology had a lot to do with money, that uh, there was some research that said that 85% of lottery winners go back to being in the same financial position or becoming bankrupt within the first five years of winning a lottery. It's true. Now, if you... If you if this research is true, then well, you kind of go, well, a lot of people think that if they had more money, their problems would be solved. Well, that is not the case. No. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'll give you a very simple analogy. If, I have, if you just imagine right now I'm sitting in my, in my study and, I, and just imagine if I've got a big jug of water sitting next to me and I've got a small glass sitting next to me. Now, if I, st- if I attempt to pour this jug of water in this small glass, and if I keep pouring the water, what will happen once the water gets to the top? It'll start to spill over, right? Because mm-hmm. the glass is small. So a lot of people think that their financial problems are a consequence of the fact that there is money scarcity out there. That's not the case. It's the problem. People's mindsets are very small. So when a person's mindset is small, there is no space to accommodate large amounts of wealth. So when you give a person with a small glass a lot of water, mm-hmm. they don't have the ability to save that water. And that's why, and, and there's two fields of finance that have recently emerged. Well, when I say recently, probably become more mainstream in the last 10 years, neuroeconomics and behavioral finance, that have found a clear link between people's psychology, their conditioning, and the wealth that they create. Mm-hmm. Now, for me as a financial advisor, it is no longer enough to give clients a wealth plan to give them strategies, to give them investments, portfolios, uh, and talk to them about performance figures and diversification, it's not enough. Why? Because I can give them the best plan in the world, I can give them the best investments in the world, but there is no guarantee that they're going to do the right thing. Why? Because people bring their own emotional biases into the equation. So that's how I got started, and that intrigued me. I thought, wow, there is, a, there is such an interesting link between people's psychology and wealth. And that's why I delved into things, you know, Psychology of success, mm-hmm. traditional mm-hmm. psychology, psychocybernetics, neuro linguistic programming, neuro neuroscience. Oh, interesting transition. Yes, and so that's how. And it, this was just a con. I mean, this was never intentional. I then I started to realize, my God, I have this unique skill set where I can look at a situation and perceive it in a completely different way to most people because I can dissect mm-hmm. that situation. I can see that situation from multiple. And all I did was then I started to talk about it, write about it, um, and and then that's how you know I have ended up where I have ended up. Mhm, mhm. And, and there's a lot of psychology involved in what you do, a tremendous amount. I think eighty percent, more than eighty percent, is psychology. You mm-hmm. know? The, mm-hmm. And and here's the issue: the issue is everyone's selling a magic pill. In the world of marketing, everybody is told, give people what they want. Uh, I'm, I take a stand against it. I said, don't give people what they want. And as arrogant as this may sound, people don't always know what they want. You have to give people what they need. 
Mm-hmm. And what people need is not what they want. And that is the issue. What do people want? Most people want entertainment. Most people want to do the things that give them an easy life. Most people want to avoid problems. What they need is not to avoid problems, but to learn how to solve problems. What they need is not entertainment, but education. And so this, the transition can't happen. And as, long as the, and as long as humans stay resistant to learning, or the masses stay resistant to learning, we're going to continue to have the world problems that we have. And this keeps, I keep thinking about what I had heard many years ago at a conference, that if we just increase the number of difference makers from 2% to 4%, we can have the world's problems. So why are we doing it? Mm. Why are we doing it? Why are we so... Well, that bothers th- me. Pro- well, we know that that answer. Uh, most of the uh, wealth in the world is owned by... Two percent? Yeah, I mean it's a very small percentage, between one and three percent, depending on what statistic you want to believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're going to, but, you but know, continue to perpetuate that system they are. to support to support theirs. So you know, they will, if we if we start, we have, we have if, choices. But you know, if we start getting into statistics. It's rather fascinating, isn't it? Because in the beginning of the program, you said that only 2% in the world actually make a difference. And I assume that that's not the 2% that own the most wealth, or is it? That's a really good question. And I don't know, and I don't know how they come up with these statistics. Right? Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. I do certainly that when I to the vast majority of people. The vast majority of people are not thinking about making a difference. In fact, mm-hmm. for the 39 years that I have been alive, I can count on one hand how many people I have come across in my life that said I want to make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Well, probably in the past few years where I've actually, I probably should say that that's really not the case because in the last few years I've actually come across many more people. But I can probably say that for the first maybe 30 years of my life, I didn't come across many people that actually woke up in the morning and said I want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they they were programmed to just go, I, how do I pay my bills? How do I buy a car? How do I buy a house? Maybe how do I buy, maybe I can buy a couple of houses. And how can I retire? And a lot of the times they're not even thinking about retirement completely. And I know this because I, I, the number of people I speak to, they're not even thinking about their future. Mm-hmm. And one of the qualities of success is long-term orientation. You see, um, the average person thinks about day-to-day. The successful person thinks about decade to decade. But the, the significant person thinks about generation to generation. But none of this it comes to us naturally. I, I, didn't, I wasn't conditioned to think this way. Mm-hmm. Everything that I know now, everything I believe now, everything that I adopt now, and the way I live now is a consequence of the learning that I engage myself. But it was, it was a proactive decision. I was mm-hmm. more resistant to learning else. I was more ignorant than anyone else. And so for me, and I think I look at myself now, you know, how can I, you know, have, have three businesses and how can I have, I have six formal edu- qualifications and I'm doing my doctorate at the moment, I finished my MBA. If I can do it simply by making a decision that I wanted to be the best version of myself, anybody can do it. That is a fact. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. most people will never make a decision to do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because at a very deep level, they don't believe they can. 
Not because mm-hmm. they don't want to. I think innately all human beings are good. Innately all human beings want to do something that, that makes a difference. Why don't they? Because they don't believe they can. Mm. Well, this has been a this has been a phenomenal, just a phenomenal show, and I'm sure my listeners are just glued, (laughs) glued to our show. We're we're running out of time. Would you please let us listeners know how to contact you? um, What your website is? and where they can get that information about your program? Yes, certainly. Well, if you're a man that is interested in becoming the best version of yourself and you want to have insights into the best of the best, go into thesuccessfulmail.com, thesuccessfulmail.com. If you are a a, a female and you're still interested in learning more about uh, what we do and how we may be able to assist you, or you just want to have a general conversation, please don't hesitate to contact me. All my contact details are available on my personal website, ronmelhotra.com, R-O-N, M for Mary, A for Apple, L-H, O for Orange, T for Tango, R for Roger, A for Apple.com, ronmelhotra.com. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Continue, and and I hope that many more uh, learn from you, join you in your... It's a, it basically, it's a cause. Um, and take care and be well. Well, thank you so much. That's lovely. I wish the same to you and your listeners. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, listeners, that pretty much concludes our show for today. Fabulous show. Please join in on our show next week, which will be Wednesday, again at 4 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye-bye for now. Be happy. Be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?